We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co host, Andrew Mertig. What's going on, Andrew? It is another glorious edition of the Packaday Podcast on a Friday. Yes, it is great to be back. I'm excited. I hope you're excited because we have a really great show for you today. Last year, we did a a listener mock draft, and it was one of the most fun episodes that we did during the entire year. This time around, we added in trades, which, Kyle, (laughs) I got to be honest with you, this made me really nervous. Yeah, within a few minutes of creating the group message, people were talking about four team deals and my head was (laughs) swimming. I'm like, how am I? How am I going to track this? I don't know, but it all ended up being fine. We, we had to talk some people down a little bit, I think. But there are some really fun trades, some really creative picks. And honestly, it is a blast to interact with our listeners and to hear their passion about the draft. So I am really, really amped up to talk about these picks. And I'm going to I'm going to cover the first pick. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Don't do oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Thank, thank you. There you go. You're welcome. That. There you go. Let's not do that start. 52 times today. Um, <laughs> so I have, uh, I'm covering the Jacksonville Jaguars first overall pick, which is made by at Matt Trombone. Uh, Matt, uh, who's going to come up here a few different times in this mock draft, and I'll explain why after his second pick. <laughs> but uh, he's going to go ahead and take quarterback Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, which is the obvious pick to me. But some people want to make this situation really complicated. It's just, it, for me, it's a great job by Matt to just sprint to the podium, get the best quarterback prospect that I've seen since Peyton Manning. That's good, and I'm glad that he gets a little bit more to do later in the mock draft because that would be kind of a boring run at this for him if if that's all he got to do was <laughs> running that number one overall pick. It is kind of a no-brainer, but the Jets are up at number two overall, and Joseph Lights has this selection here, and he takes Justin Fields, from Ohio State, and I feel like things have almost gotten to the point where it's assumed that Zach Wilson is going to be the pick here for the Jets, and so it's fun to see a different scenario, especially because just a couple months ago, it felt like Justin Fields was the lock at number two, or at least he was kind of the lock at this consensus number two quarterback spot. So I like the change of pace here with Fields at number two, and I'm excited to see how it shakes things up as we move further into this draft. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I, of course, have Justin Fields as my number two quarterback. It doesn't mean that he's going to go number two. I think a lot of teams, you know, really, really love Zach Wilson. But um, I think in this case, it, it makes a ton of sense. And, and certainly there's going to be some teams that that have Fields as the preference over Wilson. So we move on to number three, which would be the Dolphins, courtesy of the Houston Texans. Uh, that trade looks worse and worse and worse and worse for the real life Houston Texans. And we have Sam Walker at SS Walker 1986, who is going to stick and pick wide receiver Jamar Chase from LSU. So I think everybody assumes the Dolphins are going to trade down. But what if there's no market for it? For for instance, the Lions were really eager to trade, trade down from number three last year, but then nobody was willing to meet their price. So Maybe the quarterbacks aren't as hot as we are perceiving. No one would have imagined that Tua or Justin Herbert would have slid and nobody was willing to trade up for them last year. So if the market isn't there, you just take the best wide receiver because that's what Miami needs. And while I like Jamar Chase a lot, I don't know if he fits in perfectly with Tua as well as somebody like Jalen Waterwood. But the counter to that is being opposite Will Fuller. You get a really diverse skill set and somebody who could be a foundational piece for Miami for years to come. So, yeah, Jamar Chase, Miami, pretty good pick. Yeah, moving on to number four here with the Falcons. I have probably the best Twitter handle in this whole show. So I've got at... J-H-G-7468-2249. <laughs> so uh, Mr. J-H-G here making the pick. And we've got Penny Sewell from Oregon as the tackle going to the Falcons at number four overall. And I'm not going to lie. I really thought this was going to be where Zach Wilson landed. Uh, but the slide does continue for him. And the Falcons get the top tackle in the class. And I know a lot of people would say, well, Atlanta has spent way too much draft capital on the offensive line to do it again here. But the reality is that the NFL is starred for young offensive line talent. So when you have a chance at someone like Sewell, and maybe you think that Matt Ryan is going to be there a little bit longer than maybe some uh, in the national media would, would assume, you go ahead and take that shot with someone like Sewell. And I think the Falcons would probably just try to bump Caleb McGarry inside to guard in this situation. I don't know that that's an incredible plan, but I think that's probably what they would try if they tried to slip Sewell in here um, and have a pretty amazing duo of tackles there in Atlanta. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, you know, if Atlanta is moving forward, 
thinking that Matt Ryan is going to be around for another three or four years and they don't want to pick a quarterback high and they, they go ahead and take Penny Sewell. I think that's good for your offense, but the Bengals who are picking at number five are sitting around like, what the heck? Penny Sewell was supposed to be here. Right. So what do you do? You trade down. And, and that's exactly what happened here. So the, the San Francisco 49ers got real aggressive and traded number 12, their fourth round pick and fifth round pick this year. Uh, in and then the number one pick in 2022 to the Bengals for this number five selection. So the 49ers jump up and their GM is at Jude T five green. We're in a butcher. It's going to be good. <laughs> Twitter handles yeah. during this show. Uh, but I, <laughs> my reaction was boo this man because he, <laughs> he traded up and then went ahead and got Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU. So you, you give the 49ers their quarterback of the future. I'm, I'm going to have an issue with this. And you basically throw in picks and, and just one future one to move up from 12 to five. This seems like a great deal for San Francisco. And Wilson is definitely a fun projection. I don't like him as much as most, you know, I said, I definitely have Justin Fields significantly higher him. Um, and one of the issues is Zach Wilson's shoulder injury history scares me a bit, but he can definitely be a game manager in San Francisco and he'll be successful with the weapons around him and being able to make plays with his legs, if he figures out the deep game, watch out. And this is somebody, you know, Kyle Shanahan is going to want to develop over the next few years. So he can be good in the short term, could be good in the long term. I don't mind the Bengals trading down when Sewell is gone. In fact, I think that's the best move for them. But jumping all the way down to 12 should probably have gotten them a little bit more in the trade than what they actually got. Yeah, super interesting. Like you said, where it's a bummer to see uh, San Francisco getting what could be, you know, a franchise-style quarterback there for them. Interesting, uh, Steve Young is a former BYU quarterback as well, wasn't he? So that's a continuation of that BYU tradition there for San Francisco as well. So interesting move, aggressive move, and it was a lot of fun uh, to start the draft off uh, this way as well. But we've got a trade on our hands at number six. Um, the Panthers are on the clock after a trade with the Eagles. Matt uh, Pickett is in charge of this, uh, Eagles team, the Panthers, Panthers, Panthers rather. Sorry. And, uh, basically the Panthers gave up just their third round selection to jump up these two spots here. So, uh, the Panthers are on the clock. The Eagles slide all the way down, just two spots there to eight. And Carolina gets quarterback Trey Lance. Uh, I think this pick makes a ton of sense. And I just, I love this for what Carolina seems like they want to do. Uh, the Panthers know that they have a lot of pieces in place, but they are a quarterback away from, I think, being able to compete. And so I like the pick. I like the value. Only having to get up, give up that third round pick is great. You get your franchise quarterback and you don't have to give up future first, which is kind of a tradition if you want to get a so I think there's a lot to like about all the quarterbacks in this class. Uh, but if in three years we're looking back and Trey Lance is the best of the bunch, I don't think a lot of people are shocked. He's got all the tools and just needs the time. So like the move uh, for the Panthers to come up and, and get the quarterback of the future there. Yeah, and that's a really fun projection. I think I think Trey Lance would fit in really well in Carolina and have a year or two to sit with a with a pretty solid offense around him and then and then the opportunity to develop. Matt Pickett ended up being the GM for both the Jaguars and Panthers who interestingly enough both came into the league in the same year in the 90s, but um, that was totally my fault. I screwed up when I was <laughs> setting aside the list, so we had one extra GM 
I'll talk about that later as 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 we get further down into the draft. Um, but then I am going to talk about the Lions pick at number seven. And at Stilly Ryan is their GM. His name is Doomy McSludge, which I can <laughs> only hope is his real life name. Please tell the us. Best name Tweet at us and tell us that. <laughs> but uh, he's going to take wide receiver Devontae Smith from Alabama, a stick and pick for the Lions, who need to basically replace their entire wide receiver room with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones both out the door. Smith makes a ton of sense. Goff had success with Cooper Cup, and Smith is simply a better version of Cup. And personally, you give me Jalen Waddle every day of the week over Smith, but I like the fit for Detroit. Not sure that you would describe Devontae Smith as a kneecap biter, though? <laughs> I mean, that seems to be an important piece uh, for their organization. I was just looking because you said they have to rebuild their entire wide receiver room. And I think Geronimo Allison might still be a Detroit Lions. So let's not really? get too crazy. They might they it, might have somebody there who could catch they have They have Geronimo and Quintez Cephas, and I think that go. might be it. That might be it. So, yeah, you probably are great here. Yeah, probably a good pick in Devonta Smith. So um, let's uh, move to number eight here. And now those Eagles are back on the clock. And Steve Hellmeyer here is in charge as the GM. And he takes wide receiver Jalen Waddle of Alabama. And so I said, yeah, I get a little hand clap in. Uh, I said I like the value for the Panthers only having to give up a third. But I also really like the value for the Eagles getting that extra third round pick and only having to slide back two spots. That's pretty good. And they're still in uh, really a great position here to grab the seat receiver that they need. Um, they do that in Jalen Waddle. It's going to be interesting to see what the offense looks like for the Eagles this year. Uh, but Steve is stacking speed on speed here with Waddle, now pa- paired with uh, Jalen Rager, who they took last year out of TCU. And I do like that. Um, I think it's a scary combo that you feel pretty good about. I would have liked it a little bit better if they would have been able to pair him with someone like Jamar Chase, uh, get a true X receiver to pair with someone like Rager. But obviously Chase is off the board, and I don't think anyone's going to be calling Jalen Waddle a consolation prize. So I think you feel pretty good about what the Eagles were able to do at number eight. Love me some Jalen Waddle, obviously. So uh, (laughs) we're moving on to pick nine, and we have a very aggressive trade going on here. So one of the things that I should explain to listeners is... When we do this activity, Kyle and I take the Bears and the Vikings so that nobody has to put themselves in the shoes of our arch rivals. <laughs> and so we did again this year, and Kyle lost the luck of the draw and had to be the Bears. Or maybe I did with the Vikings. I don't not know. Sure it's hard to say, yeah. So Kyle's the GM of the Bears, and he is going to very aggressively move up to pick nine. The Bears ended up trading number 20 overall, a 2022 first, a 2022 third, and defensive lineman Akeem Hicks. So a very heavy price to pay to move up to number nine, but that's a very realistic trade. Um, And with the ninth overall pick, the Chicago Bears are going to take quarterback Mac Jones from Alabama. Let's go! Which marks our third straight Alabama player off the board. But Kyle, you are going to get fired. I know! (laughs) Your job is on the line as the Bears general manager, and you're trading up for the fifth quarterback in the draft. In all seriousness, though, like here's a couple ways this could work. Maybe you get some extra leeway from ownership by having a rookie quarterback. So if Mac Jones shows any promise at all, Maybe they keep you around one more year. 
And maybe Jones is really good at getting the ball out of his hands quickly. That's not maybe. He definitely is good at getting the ball out of his hands quickly. But maybe the Bears establish the run, and Jones plays the Trubisky role better than Mitch ever did, and the offense is just solid enough to let the defense carry them, and they move up from a 500 team to maybe like just good enough to get that 6 or 7 seed again, and ownership likes that. Um, overall, to me, this is a pretty questionable move, but um, <laughs> it actually could be a pretty realistic scenario for Chicago based on how they've been making moves lately. Okay, so uh, to defend myself here, I made this move. I was not the initiator of the trade. Someone came to me uh, with this Broncos pick and said, hey, what would you think about you know coming up? And as the Bears, I kind of put myself in their shoes. And there are five first-round quarterbacks in this draft. I do think that there's a drop-off after the first four, but we're dealing with the Chicago Bears here, okay? Um, the scenario at hand is that they have moved forward by adding, one, Andy Dalton to be their presumed starter in 2021. They do not think, I hope they don't think, I hope they're not this dumb, they don't think that Andy Dalton is the starter for longer in 2021 they have no foreseeable plan at the quarterback position they have looked horrific throughout this offseason with all of their decision making and so to me I think that this is a manipulative move for the Bears that I have made in that if they can convince the ownership to let them make a quarterback pick that like hey we got it wrong with Mitch things have gone off the rails but you give us this one more pick and you know Mac Jones he's a, he's a you know he's an Alabama product he's this guy he's the next Tom Brady like if 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 you can convince ownership that we've got our guy and they come up and make this pick i really do think that it's something that they could say hey give us two or three more years i think it's the only way that they have a job two or three years from now, because if they don't pick a quarterback, if they pick uh, another wide receiver, if they pick a defensive player, does ownership look at them and say like, what is going to be different next off season in 2022? That's not happening now. And so for me, it was an opportunity to say, okay, it's my chance to save my job by making an incredibly stupid decision, but may keep me in my chair for the next two or three seasons. So that's my shot. I took it, and I think it's really dumb, but it's the Chicago Bears, so that's what I went with. The Chicago media is going to eat you alive. I can I can just picture a friend of the podcast, Aldo Gandia, screaming until he's forced <laughs> on Bears I can, bar I can room. see that, too. I can see that, too. That's good. I had some fun with it. All right, you're on a pick 10. I am. I am up again. So... This is uh, the Washington football team's pick here, and you're like, wait, this is supposed to be the, sh- the Dallas Cowboys pick. And you're right. Uh, Sam Holman made a move here, trading up from 19 to 10. Uh, they gave up 19. They gave up their second-round pick, as well as defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. I feel like we should at these players and be like, hey, just so you know, <laughs> you got moved here. Um, but they did. Your they came up to GM 10. doesn't value you. Right. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, they come up to 10 and they picked tight end Kyle Pitts there with the Washington football team. And so this one is interesting in a couple ways, right? Because Dallas needed some defensive help. And so the value just wasn't there, at least like early in this draft on defense, it seems. I think it's supposed to be, you know, more of this offensive draft early. 
And so I like that they traded out here. I think that was a good move. Uh, but I also love this decision by Washington to go ahead and get a little aggressive and finish building out the offense. They added Curtis Samuel last week, and now they add the best tight end prospect that we've seen probably in years. And this offense gets pretty scary in a hurry. And so Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in has got to be pretty excited about the arsenal weapons that he'll have at his disposal there in Washington. So like the move, a lot of fun here with Washington coming up with the Cowboys to number 10. Yeah, McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Kyle Pitts, that is a scary offense. And then you add in Antonio Gibson, too. Uh, What I don't like is trading a really, really good young defense lineman in Jonathan Allen to a division rival. But uh, yeah, to, to move up and get Pitts, that's fun. So at number 11, another NFC East team, the New York football Giants. And this is going to be at Zach Crowder. He's going to go ahead and take edge quitty pay from Michigan. The Giants have had an impressive offseason, but their defense needs pass rushers pretty badly. There, there's not a better one in the draft than quitty pay. Gettleman loves big guys who can defend the run, and pay is both of those things. But he's got some juice to be looked at as a potential pass rush beast in the future, which, ironically, he goes, oh, no, I'm sorry, he goes at 11. Rajon Gary went at 12. I don't know why I wrote that. Come on. <laughs> I made a note of it, and and then I realized uh, that's not true. But anyways, really close. <laughs> Kudos to Zach, who didn't even know the Giants were going to sign a Dory Jackson, and cornerback certainly would have been a big need here previous to that move. So that defense could be pretty darn good. Yeah, you're right. And moving right along here to, uh, I guess, now the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock because of that trade they made with the 49ers, the swap of 12 and 5. And Greg Vandersteen is the GM here, and he selects cornerback Patrick Sertain, the second of Alabama. Um, Of course, we saw the Bengals trade out of that pick earlier, um, which allowed the 49ers to get that quarterback. And right here, the Bengals select a corner, which does make a whole lot of sense for them. It doesn't make sense to do it at five. So if you're going to take a corner, it makes a whole a ton of sense to do it at 12. The problem that I have here is that they ignore the offensive line. I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, with William Jackson signing in free agency with the Washington football team, I can see this fit. It's a need that they have. Uh, but, man, Joe Burrow has got to be allowed to be physically alive. And so it's hard for me to see the Bengals passing on tackle, especially in this class with so much that's available. Uh, So, Greg, man, what are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. I like the pick. Uh, They needed a corner. But, man, it is hard for me to imagine Joe Burrow just sitting, seeing all these tackles uh, that you could really argue, uh, you know, picks one through 20. There's four or five that could be just cornerstone players for your franchise and not getting one. But William Jackson here at 12 overall. Uh, fills that spot left by William Jackson. I hope I hope Greg has a good good attorney because Joe Burrow is going to file a lawsuit for creating a hostile work environment. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I mean I mean uh, this is a, a fine pick for a cornerback, which is a position to need. Tackle is a deep position group in this draft, and so uh, you know maybe the Bengals are thinking they they can get offensive alignment a little bit later. That's so true. Yep. Um, good value of getting you know especially if Sertain's your your top corner on the board. Uh, I have the Chargers at 13, and this was this pick was made by at closest to Keg Tony. Got it. Uh, and that is going to be tackle. Speaking of offensive line, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. The Chargers get the second best offensive lineman to fall all the way down to number 13. This offensive line goes from 
a really serious liability to a pretty darn good one in just one offseason. He had Corey Lindsley. They made a move at guard. It's a former Steeler, and I'm totally blanking on the name. But then you add Rashawn Slater to that mix, and and man, that's fun. Uh, Justin Herbert should be smiling at whatever you know mall arcade that he's currently at. <laughs> okay. All right. He looks young. That's he the does. Joke. He does. He looks very young, especially with the... And kids hang out at mall arcades these days, right? (laughs) Thank you for explaining your joke. It's so good. So, okay, 14 overall is supposed to be me, right? I've got evens. But I want to know, Andrew, would you like to tell people why, in this scenario, the Houston Texans are on the clock instead of where the Vikings are supposed to be? Because I really do not want to be the person to break this news right now. All right, I will do it. So I I mentioned before two things. One, I'm the GM of the Vikings. Number two, we had one extra general manager. So that was at Jordan Hove 77. And I told Jordan, my bad, totally screwed this whole thing up. But if you want to be the Texans and try to find a trade partner, for maybe a player on your team that could be floated in trade rumors, go ahead and do so. And so when I was coming up at pick 14, I sent Jordan a message and I said, hey, how would you like to make a deal? And I will send you pick number 14, our third round pick at 79, our second third round pick at 91. I will trade the Vikings 2022 first, 2023 (laughs) first, quarterback Kirk Cousins and edge Daniil Hunter. Now, that wasn't my initial trade proposal, but he really negotiated hard because he didn't want to give the Vikings all of this. Or he didn't he didn't yeah, want to sure. give up the guy that I got, which was quarterback Deshaun Watson. Now, a lot of stuff has been unveiled since we did this draft. <laughs> and I don't want to get into that. So I have no idea what's going on with Deshaun Watson in real life. But if, if you just take the player at face value being a young player yeah, that is an insane amount to give up in a trade. That's like the biggest trade package since Herschel Walker. But you give up yeah. Kirk Cousins, Daniel Hunter, your next three first-round picks, and, and two-thirds in this draft, and you get your franchise quarterback, I say, go do it. It, is, uh, it was a little bit of a hollow moment in the, in the Slack feed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We were working through this when that popped up and everyone was like, Andrew did what? He gave them what? But Andrew also successfully 
took the Vikings first round picks away for the next three years, which is something I feel like he has dreams about at night. So, I mean, success across the board. Well done with the Vikings, sir. Uh, I think you're up again with the Well, who Patriots did the Texans here. pick? Who did the, oh, yeah, we have to do that. I guess they still do care about what they get. Sorry. Okay, you're right. Okay, the the Texans are now officially on the clock after all that. And they do select, oh, cornerback Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. Um, this again was before the news about of uh, the health concerns that we've we've heard with this back surgery and those kinds of things. But we'll see how that slide affects him. But overall, here he stays in in the mix here in the middle of the first round in the Texans land. Cornerback Caleb Farley. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, and I, I love that. For, for the Texans to get, you know, at least my cornerback one, I know the injury thing probably scares some teams away. But that, you know, when, when you're talking about rebuilding, you throw Kirk Cousins, who's a very obviously average NFL quarterback, into that mix. Their offense isn't very good. But defensively, you know, you, you add an edge rusher like Daniil Hunter. They have some young pieces. You would assume they continue to build through the draft. Caleb Farley could be a, a really, really good cornerback in the future. So that that's fun. Um, the Patriots are picking at 15, and this is at Ali Murray 1. And they're going to go ahead and take linebacker Mike Parsons from Penn State, who I think ran a 4-3-6 today. 4-3-9. 4-3-9. 4-3-9. That is insane. What yes. are they doing at Penn State? They're, sh- they're short. <laughs> Jason Away ran a four three six yeah, today. The, those are two linebackers. I think they ran a thirty nine yard dash there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, best player available. Check. Super athletic, multifaceted linebacker in New England. Double check. He he fits into that Jamie Collins or you know more recently Kyle Van Noy role, and I'm sure Belichick will just turn him into a regular Pro Bowler very very quickly. Um, so Micah Parsons, New England, like that. It does seem like a Patriots move to take a player that normally wouldn't be available that just somehow slips into their grasp and becomes a very good player for them. But uh, the Cardinals are up at 16 and they do stay put. Um, Adam AP Bay 22 is here and he's the GM for them and they select cornerback JC Horn from South Carolina and JC Horn is somebody who just absolutely blew up his pro day and so I think he's locked into the top 20 conversation at this point with testing like that and rumors that some teams view him even as cornerback one in this class so uh, the Cardinals get a great value here and they fill a big need Patrick Peterson um, and 
you know, top cornerback play in general was a staple for this corner, uh, the Cardinal team for years and years. And so with Peterson on his way to Minnesota, Horn gives them what they hope is their CB1 for years to come. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not as high in J.C. Horn as everybody else, but I definitely the, the Cardinals are going to be looking for that second cornerback to throw opposite Byron Murphy. And yeah. um, that could be a really good fit for them. So the Raiders at number 17, this pick is being made by Keith Keskinen. And uh, they're going to go with offensive tackle Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. And the Raiders really just basically imploded their offensive line this offseason. <laughs> and they are looking for help. Uh, they might be putting out ads in uh, newspapers to, to find <laughs> offensive linemen pretty soon. But Derisaw is a great fit to help them at offensive tackle right away. He kind of fits in with, with what Gruden and Mayock have been looking for. Uh, and just is a super polished guy, ready to probably ready to start day one. Yeah, Dolphins at 18. I've got Sam Walker as the GM here. And Sam went with linebacker Jeremiah Awusakoromoa from Notre Dame. And uh, Koromoa is such an interesting player to project. It's kind of tough. He's that tweener linebacker safety prospect. And there seems to be one of these guys every single year that we just don't know exactly where they will fall, where they will be valued by NFL teams. Uh, but if we know anything about this New England-style defense that they run in Miami, it's that they value versatility and multiple roles. And for that reason, I can see this fit with the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins fans want offense. If you are a part of any kind of uh, Twitter conversation with Dolphins fans, they want another receiver and maybe even a running back. But they got that weapon at number three in Jamar Chase. And so here they get the defensive piece for the defensive-minded head coach, and I think he'll love that. So uh, Uso Koromoa at number 18 to the Dolphins. Yeah, that's really fun, and the Dolphins would pick right at the the top of the second round, too. So um, that that is something to keep in mind if they're going running back shopping at some point. So uh, pick 19, we have the Cowboys after that trade down with the Washington football team. And the Cowboys pick is going to be made by Gabriel Mafra. Um, and he's going to go ahead and take cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. Mm. from Florida State. It's just a little rich for my blood, especially with Samuel testing the way that we did. But Gabriel didn't know what his pro day numbers were when the pick was made. And the Cowboys need help on defense, period. So if Samuel is the next corner on your board, you run with that. Uh, because basically the Cowboys need help at almost every level of the defense. And, uh, you know, Samuel is going to be a good step towards getting at least one of those positions fixed. Andrew, you know I love Asante Samuel Jr., and you know that those testing numbers this week broke my heart a little bit. But I, <laughs> I agree with you that 19 overall is probably a little rich. That's probably good news for Packers fans who want to see Samuel in Green Bay. It would be hard for me to see them selecting him at 29 with the testing numbers, but you know, crazier things have happened, and maybe he slips into that second round, and that's where we see something like that take place. But uh, love the player, and so nice pick there for the Cowboys. The Broncos are up here at 20, and Nick Sawyer is going to do some work as the GM there, and he's selecting cornerback Greg Newsom II from Northwestern here, and the hearts of Packers fans everywhere break a little bit more with the selection because I think Newsom is a lot of you know, fans favorite prospect for the Packers right now. He's a great combo of athleticism and really being a technician. He's well equipped to step into an NFL defense and play pretty well, really, really early, which is something you don't always get to say about rookie corners. So uh, the biggest question with Newsom is the injuries, at least for me, uh, it seems like uh, he had some 
trouble staying healthy. But if he can stay healthy, he should be a starter in the league for a long time. Uh, the selection by the Broncos is interesting because they did just sign Kyle Fuller and they have some other needs on the roster. Uh, but it's really hard to argue with the value of cornerback in the league that we're in. And so anytime you get a chance to select a player like Greg Newsom, who's smart, athletic, uh, you, you go ahead and do that because of what he can bring to your team. So Greg Newsom, number 20 to the Broncos after that Bears trade. Definitely. And then uh, at 21, the Indianapolis Colts, I had to step in for the Colts GM here. Um, and Indy definitely needs left tackle. So I went with uh, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, who, if you listen to the show, you know, I love. Uh, <laughs> and the rest the rest of their line is fantastic. So m- maybe a more ready to start player is the way to go. You, you think of somebody who maybe has a little bit more experience than the redshirt sophomore Mayfield. But I I just I, I have such an affinity for him. And I think if you can get a dancing bear with the upside Mayfield possesses, you just go get him and just tell him to block the guy in front of him. Right. Let the rest of the offensive line worry about everybody else, but just say you're winning this matchup. And if, if that's all he has to do, he can be really good. And in a few years, you might have one of the best players in this whole class. Yeah, I love Jalen Mayfield, and he's someone who's all over the map. It feels like there's guys who think he's a top 15 uh, kind of pick, and then there's he's sliding into the middle of the second round. So really interesting to see uh, where Mayfield goes. And I don't think we have testing numbers on Mayfield yet, so that'll be really interesting uh, to see where we get uh, he, where he falls in the RS, RAAS equation. rather. Uh, but 22, the Tennessee Titans. And I've got Don DeQuisto here making the selection for the Titans. And Kadarius Toney is the selection from Florida. And I know there are a lot of Packers fans who would love to see Tony in a Packers uniform. Andrew and I actually picked Tony at 20 in our, 29 in our first mock draft this spring. Uh, but it is so hard to gauge where NFL teams are going to value Tony. He could really go this early in the first round right here in the mid-20s. I also think it's totally possible he could go in the middle of the second round. Uh, but I really like the fit here with the, the Titans. They already have their big X receiver in A.J. Brown who can line up outside or in the slot. Uh, Tony gives you more of that natural natural Z receiver who can uh, be a guy you can scheme touches to and allow to create after the catch. Uh, Tennessee has a big target share to account for. They lost Corey Davis to the Jets. They lost John Smith to the Pats. And so I think you feel pretty good about the upside of giving someone like Tony those targets and helping your offense. Yeah, and I, I think Dawn was a little nervous about being involved in this, uh, but it really did a fantastic job here. And this is the situation that I was thinking about. Imagine you're you're Tennessee and you're running a jet sweep with Kadarius Tony coming across mm-hmm. the backfield and you can turn that into like a play action. You can turn that into the read option with Henry or the potential for Ryan Tannehill to keep it yeah. or throwing the slant to AJ Brown. Like what do you do as a defense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, that's a... I mean, you create a false step with the the Tony motion and Derrick Henry is, you know, suddenly going through the line with an advantage or, you know, Tannehill's tucking it or you're hitting AJ Brown who then turns what should be a five yard gain into a 50 yard gain. Cause he's AJ Brown. I mean, crazy. That, that's so fun. You just made me think of the time that uh, Tannehill kept it, though, and ran for like 40 yards in the middle of the field on the Packers. <laughs> so I just had some like PTSD there for a second. They, thank, Thank thankfully, that. the Packers don't need to play them for another four yeah, years. That's true. So. That's, true. that's good. Uh, um, we, we are now to the headache pick of the draft, number 23. So here's what happened. This is originally the Jets pick who traded it to the Saints. So... 
here's a complicated trade. The, <laughs> the, the Jets traded 23 this pick and Sam Darnold to the Saints for oh. number 28, a fourth round pick, and a 2022 second. I will I will get into that in a moment because I have all sorts of issues with that trade. <laughs> the second time this pick switches hands is from the Saints to the Jaguars. So the Jaguars trade their <laughs> 25th pick and their fourth rounder to move up two spots to this to this pick at 23. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Oh man. So for some reason the Jets are moving down five spots in the draft while also giving up their their quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Darnold. And all they got back was a future two and a four. So I'm not sure I love that return for a 23-year-old quarterback who has starting experience in the NFL and a former super high draft pick. But then the Saints flipped that pick. They they moved down two spots, get a fourth back. So that's not bad. But basically, they're getting Sam Darnold for a future two and then moving up three spots in the first round. So that's some Jedi mind trick stuff, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's somebody's policing somebody. But anyways, the Jaguars who have this pick, and this is our, our good friend Matt Pickett, uh, they're going to go ahead and take offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Uh, the, you know, he is the best interior offensive lineman in this class, unless you call Rashawn Slater interior, which he can probably play all five spots. But um, the from a pure guard standpoint, Elijah Vera Tucker is as good as it gets this year. I love the value, and anything that you can do to protect Trevor Lawrence – that will get my stamp of approval. Okay. I think I tracked with you through most of that. Thank you for helping us arrive at that conclusion. That was a, a lot of work, so good work. I color-coded this, like all the trades. I don't know yeah. if you noticed that in the, in the spreadsheet, and um, I ran out of colors at this point. <laughs> it's just a giant mess. I had to repeat colors. That's good. I remember at this point in the draft, we, you know, we're starting to wrap up, right? We're getting down into the 20s, and we're approaching the Packers pick, and so you're getting excited see what happens. And someone was like, all right, I'm going to give you an hour to send me all the trade requests that you can. And I just sent into the message. I was like, I will give you a dollar if you just pick now. <laughs> like, <laughs> things are getting a little bit uh, drawn out here, but good on the Jags, Saints and Jets for getting all that sorted out and making a good pick there in Elijah Vera Tucker. But uh, 24, we've got Asan Ahaz making the selection here for the Steelers. And he's going with interior offensive lineman Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. I like this uh, this uh, pick here. It's a little bit out of the norm for what you see in the first round, but I think very, very possible. Uh, Wyatt is the grandson, son, grandson of former Packers great Willie Davis, and the Steelers need some help along that interior offensive line. They lost a guard to the Chargers in free agency. They lost uh, Marquise Pouncey to retirement. So a center would make some sense here, but Davis is a really nice find and someone they can plug in and play at guard right away. So Wyatt Davis to the Steelers. I, I said Liam Eichenberg, for the tackle from Notre Dame, is the most Steelers prospect ever. But Wyatt Davis is a close second. Like, yeah, right. that, that's a Steelers guard, man. It totally is. Uh, so you can argue value all you want, but uh, the Steelers have some holes in their <laughs> roster. And Wyatt Davis uh, plugs a big one there. Uh, the, at 25, this is the Saints now because they moved down with, <laughs> with the Jaguars. And this is Bryson, who is at WC Cheesehead. Uh, he's going to go ahead and give the New Orleans Saints wide receiver Ron Dale Moore from Purdue. Whoa. So uh, he is electric. I, I don't know what else to say about Ron Dale Moore. If he's healthy, he could be a fantastic value. The issue is 
He really didn't play much after his freshman year at Purdue. The last season, 2020, was just super weird on tape. I'm pretty sure he never caught the ball past the line of scrimmage. But he's super fun. But he's tiny. (laughs) And he's injury prone. (laughs) That said, you combine him, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, and then the mind of Sean Payton, that's going to recreate some, you know, old Nebraska wishbone backfield situations. Uh, Everybody is going to run a a sub 4-4, and they're just going to be running guys all over the place. So so that could have potential to be really fun. But yeah, Rondell Moore, he tested off the charts this week, too. Yeah, he absolutely did. I think his RAS right now is sitting at uh, 9.39. So uh, and, and, tiny and the dude, thing, but The thing about that is, and, and this is something I often have to wrap my head around, he's that high of a RAS having his height deficiency. Right, <laughs> yeah. You know, like if he's six foot, he's a 10. Absolutely, like, yeah. It, it's, it's, I mean, he's uh, if he cracks 5'9", like he probably, yeah. Like, yeah, it's just unbelievable, so... Um, just the explosiveness is unbelievable. He saw his jumps, just a really, really special athlete. Hope that he stays healthy. That's been his biggest knock throughout his college career, but what a special player. Um, number 26, the Cleveland Browns are on the clock and we've got Mark Musgrave making a pick here and we've got edge. Aziz Ojolari from Georgia here. Uh, Ojolari just had his pro day last week and put up some really nice numbers. He ran a 4.6 at 250 pounds, super explosive in the broad jump and measured with vines for arms. That was maybe the most impressive thing of all the weird things that they measure, but really long arms. Someone's going to fall in love with Ojolari here in the first round. And here it's the Browns. And the Browns did add Tack McKinley to a one-year deal in the offseason here. Uh, But Ojolari has a chance to be the long-term running mate to Miles Garrett. And so with his addition, I think the Browns defense is starting to look pretty good with all they've done throughout the offseason. Yeah, and there's there's some rumors that Cleveland is sniffing around Jadavion Clowney now as well. Um, but I think Ojolari makes all the sense in the world. And hey, even if you don't play him at edge full time, I think he can play a little bit of off ball yeah, as sure. well. And so um, that's a really nice pick for the Cleveland Browns. And then I'm going to move to the former Cleveland Browns, that being the Baltimore Ravens. And this <laughs> is going to be at, at Daryl underscore Kirby 18. And he's going to take wide receiver Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, which I love. Like, I love, love, love this pick. He is the perfect fit for Baltimore. Gives the Ravens a fun weapon to play opposite Hollywood Brown. Is this their biggest need? Probably not, but it it is a need. And Bateman seems like a guy who can be a really impactful pro player. We haven't seen the Ravens make that big signing at wide receiver yet in the offseason. I think a lot of their fans are expecting that. And so this is the pick. I don't know that the Packers will see wide receiver as their top need, but I think that 27, the Ravens, is the team that they'd have to jump if Rashad Bateman were to fall this far in the draft. And so you'd be looking at something like uh, 25, 26, if the Packers were trying to get up for someone like uh, Rashad Bateman, which I could totally get on board with. I love Bateman. But uh, Jets are up here via the Saints and the mess that we discussed earlier. So uh, Joseph Lights is on the clock again here. And linebacker Zaven Collins from Tulsa is too much uh, to pass up here. So uh, we'll see how he tests, but I think Collins has an outside chance to be a player that Green Bay would even consider in the end of the first round. I know that that's a little bit outside their tendencies to go linebacker, but uh, Collins could be special. And in this class, the Jets jump at the chance to get him, and you'd 
have to think that Coach Robert Saylor would be pretty pumped uh, to get a talented player and an infusion at linebacker after having such an incredible group out there in San Francisco. So uh, Joseph Lights makes the pick here with Zayvon Collins to the Jets. Yeah, and I, I gave Joseph a bit of a hard time uh, about the, the Sam Darnold trade. But in, in all seriousness, if the Jets walk out of the draft with Justin Fields and Zayvon Collins. That's Solid. pretty exciting. Like that, yeah, that yeah. that's taking advantage of your two picks. Plus, they're gonna you know then flip around and and pick at the top of the second as well. Um, so now we're to the pick that everybody's been waiting for, pick twenty nine. And if there was one moment that made everybody in our Twitter message very angry, uh, it was this one. I mean, Can second I give to my Vikings home? one. Second to my it? Vikings one. I definitely made everybody angrier than this pick did. Yeah. But <laughs> but no drum roll, please. Oh. We don't want to build suspense. Okay. So. The Packers trade down <laughs> <laughs> and people were furious and please do not turn off the podcast right now. Wait, I, yeah, I promise we have a fun Packers thing at the end for you, but um, the GM for the Packers <laughs> got a, a, a deal that he just couldn't pass up. And that was to, to trade with the Bengals who are picking at uh, number 38 uh, in the second round. So they, the Bengals gave up their second round pick and their third round pick at 69 just for 29. So the Packers move down nine spots and pick up an extra top 70 pick. That's great value. I know this is rough for a Packers podcast mock draft, and uh, this would be a nightmare scenario for you and I on draft night. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we we talked about that last year, too. Uh, yeah. Please don't trade out. Um, but the, the Bengals need to do absolutely they can. Uh, they need to do absolutely everything they can to improve this offensive line. We talked about that earlier. So um, Greg Vandersteen, their GM, is going to take offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. And I'm not the biggest Tevin Jenkins fan, but he is definitely physical. He's tough. He's going to, like, knock your boots off. And uh, that should be able to, to to develop into a really good NFL tackle. And that, to me, is worth moving up for. Absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, it is interesting uh, that we don't have a pick there for the Packers. But I respect the discipline of the Packers GM and taking what is a very good deal here for the Green Bay Packers. So moving on to number 30, um, we'll get back to the Packers, like Andrew said, in just a second. But with Bills are up, and I've got Mike Arvo on the clock, and he is uh, here with those Bills selecting Defensive lineman Christian Barmore from Alabama. And Barmore is the definition of a risky pick, I think, right? He's got crazy, crazy good flashes, but you're betting on a big-time bit of development and consistency. And so I like the addition here for the Bills. They get another piece on defense. We know the offense just kind of rolls there. (laughs) They were so good last year. But if they can become a little bit more dominant along the defensive line, it would be hard for opposing teams to keep up with their high-octane offense. So I like the add. Christian Barmore to the Bills. Yeah, and you get Barmore clicking alongside of Ed Oliver, and you get Trey Edmonds playing back up to his, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, playing back up to his potential, and and man, suddenly the Bills defense has a chance to revert to 2019 form. Uh, The Chiefs are at 31, and this is Sam, who is at LLSS1985. Uh, He's going to (laughs) go ahead and take cornerback Afitu Melifanwu from Syracuse. This is Kyle's dude. He's my dude. Uh, the Chiefs definitely need help on their offensive line, but they also have some holes on defense. And a pretty significant one is finding a corner opposite of rookie sensation, Legereus Sneed. And, and Melifonwu is going to be really fun for a team that's going to use him in the right scheme. All right, we're getting to the end here. 32, the Bucks are up. And Asana Haas is back, and he's the GM for those Bucks. And he selects 
edge Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Uh, Rousseau has traits upon traits upon traits, and the key is going to be patience and development with him as well. And the Bucks roster is in good enough shape that they can kind of take that kind of swing on a big ball of clay in Rousseau and someone that you hope develops into a really, really impact player for you for a long time. So a uh, super young player, lots of upside, and they can hope he's the heir apparent to JPP in a couple seasons too. So like Rousseau to the Bucks here at 32. Uh, and uh, so that should be the end of the draft, but it's not. I, I Our um, Packers GM in this situation was Jake Engel, who's at Jake Engel 1265. And uh, Jake had had done the responsible thing, I think, in taking that trade down. That's going to be really beneficial for the Packers. So what I wanted to do after the draft is over was sim out those first five I think I'm doing my math correctly. Uh, maybe six <laughs> picks of the second round and um, see who would be available. So I sent Jake a list of of uh, the picks in the second round. I, Kyle's giving me the five signal, so I, I did do my <laughs> math correctly. Um, I, I I just wanted to see who would be available. So I sent Jake a list of Packers or, or uh, prospects that were still available in the draft and said, pick one. And so the the Packers are on the clock at pick 38, and Jake selects safety Trevon Morig from TCU. And uh, here's his just here's his justification. Originally at 29, I really wanted either Mayfield out of Michigan or Newsom Horn Samuel at cornerback. With all of those options gone, I thought I could trade down, get an extra top 100 pick, while also still having a chance to get a quality player at 38. From watching Joe Barry's mini rant on the, quote, star position, I think they take a safety uh, morig in this situation. Plus, with three more picks in the top 100, they can still get a good offensive lineman, wide receiver, cornerback, etc. So, yeah, I really like that. What do you think, Kyle? I like it. It's really fun. I was a little bit bummed because I really did like um, Trayvon Morig here, and he does have a 7.41 RAS right now, which is a little bit low for the Packers. Um, so that kind of bummed me out because I thought maybe he'd be that sleeper pick at the end of the first. So I feel like it's a little bit low, but it's not far off. It's just it would kind of buck their trends as of recent. But really fun player, very versatile player, rangy. You can play him up high. You can play him. He can drop down in the slot and give you some coverage. Uh, I really like that he was voted a special teams MVP his freshman season at TCU. So just contributes any place that he gets a chance. Um, overall, really, really good instinctive player. So lots to like. I, I think that this is a sneaky, sneaky pick uh, for the Green Bay Packers that could actually happen. Yeah, and I have more rated as my number two safety in the draft, and and really the the strengths of his, I thought I think he can play center field. One, uh, you know, the RAS score is concerning in in, in some um, at, at some level, but I also think that he has shown enough on tape to to make me trust that he can play that true center fielder role, and then he can also drop down in the slot. So I, I think he's you know versatile um, if if his athleticism doesn't totally show up when he's in track shoes. One little element that the Packers will have to weigh is that um, Merrick said that he actually had some back spasms that week leading up to the pro day. And so he said, I probably was at 80 to 85%. Still wanted to compete. Was It was going to be my one opportunity to do so. Felt like I could, but he's like, I know I left a little out there. So I think he ran like a four or five one off the top of my head. So, if the Packers compensate for that at all, you never know if they will, but that would get them pretty close to an 8 RAS into their like kind of range. So it'll be interesting, something to kind of put an asterisk next to, to say like, okay, 
He's a little low on the you know the the athletic score, but it may be something that they are willing to kind of to fudge a little bit if they like the player. And and this is fun for a couple of reasons because uh, number one, hashtag Packers Twitter would be set ablaze if they trade down and and people have to wait an extra day to find yeah. out who their first pick is. And then number two, if they announce him as a safety, yes, people are gonna go nuts. Right. Yes. Like, we already we have safety. Safety days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not realizing how, how versatile yeah. a player is. But I really like that. Good good job, Jake. Um, colossal, colossal thank you to everybody who is involved in this. Even if we were joking around a little bit, man, it is fun to see the passion. And I, I think like the creativity and insight that everybody has. And um, it, it was it was just another awesome experience. Yeah, absolutely it is. And like you said, thanks so much for participating uh, to everyone who did. And it is. This is a fan effort. We are fans first and love to do this podcast. So it's fun to participate with so many of you who share in your love for the Packers, but also uh, just to see you nerd out a little bit about uh, the draft and those kinds of things, even when we're getting into some ridiculous trade offers and all kinds of fun. So thanks for doing it. We really appreciate it. It's fun to have you guys a part of the process. But uh, before we close up the show today, Andrew is doing a lot of good work over at Game On Wisconsin. And so I want to give him the floor here to let you know uh, what you can be watching for from his account this week as it pertains to Game On Wisconsin. Well, I, I asked you a question last week, so I'm going to follow that up with another question. Oh, no, I hate it when you do this. Kyle, what okay. would you call the dirt and sand edges between a lake called T and a lake called V? Uh, well, the letter U is between those two letters, but I, I you're going to have to tell me, man. I have no idea. Yeah, that, you, you got the first part of that, so they would be called okay. U-Banks. Right, banks. banks. Ah. Maybe I should have said river instead of lake. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, my prospect profile for this week is tight end Nick Eubanks, Eubanks. from Michigan. Yes. Yeah. Where so, in the world, Andrew? Tell me. Can you tip? Can you like? Can you give us a hint? Where in the world is Nick Eubanks going to get drafted? Are we talking like? I I think he is like a fifth, sixth round pick. Okay. All right. Cool. Yes. Right. He's right. super athletic, but like. <laughs> he he uh, has some real deficiencies in the blocking game. Like yeah. he he needs to really commit to that. He he's gonna have to add on some strength and and I think if you're gonna draft a developmental tight end, you probably don't do that before day three. Yeah, but he could be fun. Like yeah, I absolutely. think he'd be a big wide receiver early in his career. Yeah. But then you know if you want him to play tight end, he's gonna have to learn some things. Yeah. Absolutely. Check out the profile there on Nick Eubanks from Andrew. It is going to be really interesting because we have maybe the best prospect at tight end we've seen in years and years, and then such a strange tight end class thereafter. So uh, check out Nick Eubanks and see if it's somebody the Packers could maybe nab later in the draft. Absolutely. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packer Day Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can get Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week with more offseason coverage. And we are going to have a super special secret co-host joining us for the entire month of April leading up to the drift. Let's go. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.